Previously on Colors. The brutal Native American boarding school system. The thing that was most shocking is learning that it existed in the first place. Yulia Parshinakotas, a graphics and multimedia editor at the New York Times. Learning the stories, informing myself about it, and it was such an emotional such an emotional journey. Children were robbed of their culture, family bonds, and sometimes their lives. When the Carlisle Indian Industrial School opened, it put every Native person on notice across the uh, continent. Zach Levitt is also a graphics and multimedia editor at the New York Times. We dig into this heartbreaking but necessary-to-be-told story. Coming up in this episode of Colors. 60 years ago, Four little black girls were killed in a church in Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, We were at church, actually, when it happened. Uh, It was on a Sunday morning. Uh, We were not at that church. We were in Arkansas. I live in a little place called Monticello, Arkansas. Bedford Collins, longtime civil rights activist, now living in the Washington, D.C. area. And we were in church. And we had gotten there early, and some other people who had come to church a little after us uh, came and bought the news uh, to us of the uh, Birmingham bombing. So that's I was at church when it happened. When you heard it, how did you feel? Frightened. That's coming up in this episode of Colors. Simmering racial tensions. Segregation now and tomorrow and forever. Fighting injustice. I have a dream. Conflict looming. Brutality exposed. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. The search for solutions starts here. From WTOP in Washington, D.C. This is Colors, a dialogue on race in America. Check the mic and make sure it sounds right, boys. years ago, one of the most horrific attacks during the civil rights era of the 1960s took place in a church in Birmingham, Alabama. Four little black girls were the victims. It's been mentioned many times throughout history, but the further we get away from the event, my concern is the more we'll forget about it, and I don't want that to happen. So joining us today is a very important, prominent civil rights activist who was around on that day, to share some details and some thoughts with us. His name is Thetford Collins. Thetford, thank you for taking time to join us today. And full disclosure, I am a member of Metropolitan AME Church. Thetford is a good friend of mine who attends that church as well. But Thetford is much more than that. Um, He's a person who knows black history, who knows politics, and he knows people very well. And the 15th of September is an important day in black history. This was the day of the Birmingham church bombing, which four little girls were killed. And I think it's important for us to remember that. That was 60 years ago. So I invited Thetford onto Colors to talk to us about that. Thetford, thank you for joining us. And I'd like to first ask you, um, do you remember where you were when that took place? I do remember where I was, JJ. And what's uh, interesting about 
uh, most of this is that the young girls that were killed uh, were 14 years old. I had been 14 years old uh, at that time. And well, not at that exactly time. Uh, three days earlier, I turned 15. Mm -hmm. So so 60 years ago, I was 15 years old, just turned 15. Uh, we were at church, actually, when it happened. Uh, it was on a Sunday morning. Uh, we were not at that church. We were in Arkansas. I live in a little place called Monticello, Arkansas. And we were in church. And we had gotten there early, and some other people who had come to church a little after us uh, came and bought the news uh, to us of the uh, Birmingham bombing. So that's I was at church when it happened. When you heard it, how did you feel? Frightened. Uh, you know, we were at church. They were at church. I mean, it happened to them on a Sunday morning at their church. And uh, while we didn't particularly think it would happen uh, to us at our church, and nor had we really particularly thought that it would happen to them at their church. And so we were frightened. Uh, I was frightened. Uh, my parents were uh, very supportive. And uh, in the, the tradition that uh, many of us have grown up in, um, we, uh, we, went to, we went to God in prayer, mm -hmm. and we prayed for those families uh, that had been affected by the bombing. Uh, and then we prayed for our own safety and for the safety of Black people all over the South and all over the world. You know, it must have been a really, really unnerving moment for folks all over the South, just because this was, what, 1963. And, you know, Malcolm X had been killed by that time. Uh, I think it was 1961. Um, Correct. But um, John F. Kennedy would soon be killed later in the year, 63. Uh, and, you know, Dr. King was starting this process where he was making a lot of people upset and angry. But at the same time, he was doing that necessary work um, out there to keep this movement going. So it must have been very unnerving for folks to, for this to happen. Is, am I right about that? You are, you are right about that. I mean, you if you'll recall, uh, one of the things that was taking place was that Birmingham, because of its history, uh, also had the name, the nickname of Birmingham, and uh, in May of that year, uh, Dr. King and the SCLC, uh, the people from uh, CORE, the Congress of Racial Equality, uh, were intensifying their efforts to register people in Birmingham to vote. Uh, you know, this is the whole era of those folks. Uh, you know, I, I hate calling names, but but Bull Connor was the lead person in uh, Birmingham who was opposed to segregation. And he used every means at his disposal to do so. So as uh, Dr. King and others were doing their work to try and register people to vote, the tension across the South, Birmingham particularly, uh, but across the South in general, uh, was was heating up. I mean, there was you know, the the folks in, in Birmingham, Alabama, were not the only ones who did not want black people to vote. So it that that uh, tension was there. Uh, and then you have this bombing. You know, the question becomes. What lengths will they go to to keep us from voting? And that was kind of the thought. Uh, my parents were involved in that process in our town in Arkansas. Uh, my mother was uh, one of the people who was a lead person in getting people to vote. And so it was it was very uh, threatening for us. Yeah. Was the was the was the KKK active in your neck of the woods at that time? Uh, they were. Uh, and uh I, you know, an adjunct story, I guess, for me is 
uh, the attack on my dad one day as he was walking home. You know, in those days, wow. a lot of people didn't have cars. And he was walking home along a public road. And these youngsters came by and hit him in the back uh, with a piece of wood. And, you know, of course, it incapacitated him. But, you know, nothing was ever done about that. I mean, that's the kind of climate that you had. And that was all work of the KKK. Uh, and you would see that all the time uh, in our area and across the South. And after this bombing, were there quiet conversations about whether or not something like that might occur, some kind of activity from them or some other organization? Um, were there conversations about that? Well, there there were conversations. And the question becomes or became you know, are we prepared and do we know who in our community are the people who have the most racial hatred uh, tied up in them? And how do we be sure that we keep an eye on them and know what they're doing? Uh, just as uh, uh, those folks were making efforts to keep an eye on us, we had to be sure that we would keep an eye on them as well, because if we didn't, it could be to our own peril. You and your friends, what did you think? What did you say? How did you handle it? As I said earlier, we were afraid. Um, some of us cried. Um, and then there was the anger. You know, we uh, we were young people. We were teenagers. And, you know, we, we didn't think any real harm could come to us. So we wanted to mobilize and to go do something. Uh, fortunately and clearly, our parents were in charge and they had uh, cooler heads and they prevailed. Uh, but they did say to us, you know, you need to be cautious as you are out and about. Today, um, this issue, this situation right now, how should we how should we look back on the anniversary or the observation of this important date? For me, um, it, it's a day that you have to remember the sacrifice that those young girls gave and that their families gave to the cause. Uh, part of the result of that bombing, uh, and sometimes dastardly acts have great consequences, part of the consequence of that was the ultimate passage in 1964 of the Civil Rights Act. Uh, that bombing uh, became front and center, and people of good cause throughout the country, both black and white, uh, and other uh, racial minorities joined together to press Congress to pass the 64 Civil Rights Act. So you, you look at those and you think about those sacrifices. And one of the things we try to do is to be sure that we shared with our children and that we are now sharing with our grandchildren uh, the sacrifices that people made so that they could have the freedoms that they have today. Yeah. Do you feel like people are paying enough attention to these historic landmarks because a few weeks ago it was the 60th anniversary of the the march on Washington and the famous King speech um, now this do you get the sense do you feel like people around us are paying enough attention and the right kind of attention to this I, I do not JJ um, I, I see that you know, too many instances, I think that we have forgotten that our history is not being taught the way uh, we grew up with that history being taught, and we grew up living that history. Uh, and then you see, in many instances, uh, politicians trying to change history, trying to change the way history is 
taught and and recorded. And so I don't see enough pushback. There is some pushback. I'm not suggesting there's not. There is some pushback. But I think that in many instances, we have gotten too comfortable. Uh, We live good lives. We don't want to rock the boat, so to speak. And we don't understand, in my view at least, uh, that the the boat is beginning to take on water. You know, boats don't generally sink because they're in water. They sink because water is in them. And I think that what we have done in many instances is we've forgotten that uh, we're taking on some water and we're not being reactive enough to be sure that uh, that boat doesn't fill up with water. What kind of reaction do we need, though, to wake people up? Um, You know, we've got the firebrands that are out there that, you know, they preach defund the police and they preach um, all of the things about making things right and equitable and equal and all that. And that's good in its place. Um, Yet and still, a lot of people that should be hearing those messages aren't hearing the message they should hear, which is, as you said, the boat's taking on water and we've got to fix it. A lot of people are checking boxes, just trying to get to the next step in their career where they want to be to do whatever it is that's next on their list. And they're not really doing... I think what is necessary to help the people that are really on the front lines of this problem. Uh, and I'm just kind of wondering what is it going to take to get everybody, you know, of all stripes to mm-hmm. see how serious this situation is? Well, I think, uh, you know, first I'm not, a. I I think progression is something that we have to begin to work on and be sure that we are being as progressive as we can. Uh, I'm not a defund the police type guy. That's not who I am because I think that law and order uh, is important and we need that um, that yeah. that force, that police force to be able to be there to help us to do that. But I think that the, there are things that we can do. Um, uh, we can be sure that we are talking with each other. Uh, we can be sure that we are active with those organizations in our communities who are about progression. Uh, you've got the NAACP, you've got the Urban League, you've got the churches, you've got uh, fraternities and sororities. There are lots of folks out there who are about being sure uh, that the work is going forward. Uh, we've got to put forth a bigger effort in getting people to vote uh, because that's where the real power is. Uh, and we've got to be sure that we share with people Uh, that we understand some of the pain that they're going through and that we want to help and that one of the ways they can help us uh, is to vote. We've got to help people understand uh, self-love. You know, when you look at the violence that's going along in many of our communities, not just the Black community, but uh, other communities as well, but we've got to stop that. We've got to stand up and say enough is enough uh, and, you know, as you are aware, uh, in our community, a young girl just leaving school, just basically walking out the school door, yeah. gets shot and killed. And, and you, you know, somebody saw that and yeah. nobody's talking. Yeah. And so people have to step up. Uh, and once we do that, I think then we start uh, not forgetting uh, where we've come from. Well, you know, it's a great point that you make about self-love and doing the right thing. And to that point point about the young girl you know this is just breaking now as we're speaking just not long ago the police announced that they have arrested a 17 year old for 
that murder of that young girl. And she apparently was trying to play the role of a peacemaker. You know, yeah. I just can only ask God to have mercy on her family because, you know, that's the kind of time we live in here in the nation's capital and in so many other places around around, around the country and indeed the world. Uh, and and that that wasn't that wasn't a race thing. That in fact that was black on black crime, and that's another thing that is sort of being thrown at black folks as well right now. Is that you don't care enough about yourselves? Why should others care about you? Which is, I think, to your point about self love. Uh, you know, I was talking to a friend of ours, Ernie Green, not long ago who also attends our church, Metropolitan AME. And and Ernie said something that was very poignant. He said, we have to be willing for people not to love us, you know, to get done what needs to be done. We have to be willing for people to not like us, love us, or anything like that. And I bet you've been through some of that in your life, haven't you? I I, I have. And sometimes, you know, the the most difficult thing is to sometimes – have a position that is not shared by your friends, uh, but you have to have the conviction of what it is you are trying to achieve to be able to do that. And sometimes uh, it's not pleasant, but it is necessary. So moving forward, Thetford, um, what's next? Um, the 61st anniversary will be next year. The 61st anniversary of the March on Washington will be next year. As time passes, this is going to fade into the background. And what needs to be done to make sure, in your mind, that absolutely there is no chance that people forget about this ever? Well, I think that one of the there's a couple of things that are happening. Uh, uh, there is uh, the commission uh, for, on the uh, march on Washington, and so those folks are going to be there. I mean, there are people who are who have been dedicated to it. They have been around for sixty years. Uh, their children are now involved, and in some instances, their grandchildren are involved. And it's an, it's an event that people have to uh, continue to uh, celebrate and to c- continue to bring forth uh, the ideas that were talked about 60 years ago because they have not all yet been achieved. And so that's going to be there. And, and I think that there will continue to be um, people in uh, the news business like you are, JJ, who uh, have conscious enough to be sure and call out these certain kinds of days so that we don't forget. And I think that you guys will also pass that information down uh, to the young people in your profession so that as they, and you will share with them the importance and they will hear you and they will follow, follow uh, your lead in being sure that these days are not forgotten. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Mr. Thedford Collins telling us what we need to do, and um, we're going to do it. We're going to follow exactly what you said, uh, Mr. Collins. Thank you for that recommendation. Is there anything you want to add before we go, before we end this conversation? Well, I would only add that I would like uh, to share with people that, you know, I, I think that it's important that we find a way to encourage everybody to be involved in our communities, uh, to be involved in our election process, to vote because we're not going to get the kinds of change that we need if we are not active uh, participating citizens. And that's, that's, that would be the message that I would leave. And um, as is always the case, that for you always leave us with an exclamation point, <laughs> something that we can think about and uh, just think on, because you're absolutely right. It's voting time, and especially in the state of Virginia right now, 
Um, right. the, the, all of their House of Delegates and Senate seats are up for re-election. We've got a presidential election coming. We've got a lot of elections coming. So folks need to think about and get ready to vote. Thank you again, uh, Thetford Collins. We appreciate you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Stay tuned for some thoughts about race in America and details about our next guest. You're listening to Colors. My name is Wendelin Hume. I'm Anishinaabe. I grew up in northwestern Ontario uh, on the reservation on Lake of the Woods, and I currently reside in the Great Plains area of North Dakota. Being kind of um, stuck on a reservation or having impoverished conditions or being attacked by people outside the reservation community, these are not choices that people would freely and willingly make. No one chooses to be attacked or to be kidnapped or to be sex trafficked or to be, you know, it's, it's not a choice that they're making. If they had all, a lot of other options to choose from, no one would choose this. So I think sometimes it's just easy for other people to say they're, they're off in their own place, just leave them be. We don't need to pay attention to that without understanding we're all part of humanity. We're all part of the same web. What, what hurts someone, even off in a remote corner of the reservation, lessens us all. So I think we do need to pay attention to this. Yeah. This is Colors, a dialogue on race in America. If you have any questions or comments about Colors, send us an email. You can reach us at colors at thecolorspodcast.com. That's colors at thecolorspodcast.com. Coming up in our next episode of Colors. So this is 38th and Chicago in Minneapolis. And this is where George Floyd died. We go to the place where George Floyd died and where the origin of this program was born. And while there, we speak with Pam Ortega, a young Mexican journalist. When George Floyd happened, my parents were... um, like, they told me about it first. My mom was like, did you see what happened? Like, ¿Viste lo que le hicieron al pobre señor? Like, did you see what happened? Did you see what they did to him? She talks about how it changed her and them. When that video came out of George Floyd and what happened, I, I saw something different in them. I felt like, I was like, wow, my parents are, are woke now. And we observe the amazing way that 38th and Chicago has been transformed. That's coming up in our next episode of Colors. Thank you to everybody that helped us put this program, this episode together. Thank you to Thetford Collins. Thank you to the Core family. Thanks to the Baysmore family, to the Green family. Thanks to Jesse Gallagher. Thanks to Cosmic. Thanks to Offshane for our music. And most of all, thank you for listening. And just remember, keep talking to each other. And just as important, keep listening to each other. You can subscribe to Colors wherever you get your podcasts. This is Colors, a dialogue on race in America.